and welcome back for our eighth episode of Opportunity Thrives, where we are committed to better supporting the needs of today's struggling secondary students. Through interviews with students, teachers, administrators, technologists, and education influencers, we want to understand what's working in our schools today, what's not, and how we can have a positive and lasting change for our students. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on our show. Please click on the podcast notes to leave us a review, to provide input, or just to send us any questions. You can also reach out to us at info at opportunitythrives.com. As online learning has been thrust into the forefront of the COVID-19 pandemic, we recognize that many districts and educators, teachers, and parents have questions about how to navigate this transition to teaching and learning at a distance. In this episode, we will discuss tools, tips, and best practices to help support teachers who are new to online learning. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of an online learning program, and we're going to include specific steps for things like creating assignments, orienting parents and students, monitoring student progress, and providing students with additional support. We're also going to discuss some strategies for sustaining student motivation and improving communication to keep students engaged all while learning remotely. We're excited to introduce our guest, Kari Feldhaus, who has been teaching as an online instructor for more than 15 years. Previously, she was a high school teacher in South Dakota, where she was active in the Spanish club, guided student travel in the summer, and led curriculum development. In addition to that, she was also the World Languages Department Chair. Kari holds a BA in Spanish from the University of Minnesota, a master's in education, and Spanish certification in multiple states. It's so great to have you here today, Kari. Welcome. Thanks, Jason. It's great to be here. Kari, I'm social distancing uh, from very rural East Texas. Uh, where are you joining us from today? I am in very rural East South Dakota on a ranch. Wow, that sounds great. And it sounds remote. So good. Well, well, thank you for taking the time. So let's kick things off. As a seasoned online learning instructor, what do you think some of the major hurdles that teachers are facing today as they ramp up and transition to teaching at a distance? Well, one of the main things they have to do is try to control their panic. It's really easy to get stressed out, especially how this spring has gone for teachers and students and families and districts. So I think that's the main thing is try to remain patient, be calm, and uh, give yourself a little bit of credit as you work through it. But then after that, it's choosing useful technology It's deciding what works online, how do you communicate, how often, how much do you say. All those kinds of things are a structure they need to be working on, trying to settle things into a workable mode and routine. That's a great start. So as a a veteran online learning teacher, what advice would you give to somebody who is a first-time online instructor? So some of the best advice I can give them is to try to create a structure Uh, how they keep track of things, whether it's a calendar that gives them notifications, they're a list maker, those kinds of things. That's really important. And the next piece is, as you're going to choose your technology, choose something that you can feel comfortable with. You want to be comfortable with it so your students are comfortable. And really, you need to be a great communicator. When you're in a classroom, you have lots of options for students to understand you. They can read your body language. They can see your your facial expressions, they can hear your words, they can see the paper you hand them. When you go online, almost all of it comes in written form. So we need to be really great written communicators. I really encourage everybody to reread what they write. 
I do that all the time. I reread everything before I send it. So I encourage that. And I also encourage making sure you do something live, something that brings your face and your voice into the home of your student, whether it's, I I do encourage live. I think recordings are great. I think that's helpful, but something live that is, um, keeps you connected, gives them a chance to ask, ask you some questions and a chance to make that connection with your students. I think having a connection with your teacher is probably one of the most important things we can we can ever have uh, for a student success. So I'm I'm so <laughs> just happy to hear that you led with that. Um, what are some of the tools um, or resources that you use on a daily basis that help you to be a more effective online instructor? I try to create a schedule. I'm really a flexible person, so I start with a schedule, and then it always changes. And I think that is probably um, something that teachers may not be totally used to. When you get to school, the bell rings at a certain time and you have your students till a certain other bell rings and then you move on and move on. When you're working from an online remote setting, you're going to find that it's not as easy to do that. You think it might be easier in your own little world, but it's actually tougher. And so I think you need to have a schedule, but then learn to be flexible and learn to um, consider that the life of your students isn't the same as it used to be when they showed up at the school building. They all came with a different set of things that happened the night before and in the morning, but it's even more so now when they're in their home or at their library, wherever they're working, they have probably way less control of how they can attend to their learning than they did before when they were in the school. So I think flexibility along with the schedule, so I'm trying to find a balance is really good there. Another piece is I try to decide what my what's the most important for the day. You know, I don't think that online teaching, if it's teachers that have gone home from a school district to work with their students, I don't think the connection with those kids every single day should happen probably or be expected. I think we need to connect a few times a week. And I think we need to give our students more time ahead. We probably could have given them an assignment in the morning and said that should be due tomorrow, knowing we had an hour of class time, we were allowing them to ask questions and work but we don't know what their day looks like today. So maybe two days or three days ahead, we might be giving those things. Those are just some starting tips for getting what a day might look like. I think that's uh, so interesting. I I remember talking to one student who said um, in the very first weeks of this transition, they had um, been contacted 32 different times by their different teachers and uh, they were feeling a little overwhelmed. So I I think that's just really helpful advice. Um, When it comes to creating assignments for your students, uh, what steps do you follow or, and what, maybe, maybe what steps could other educators uh, take from, uh, from your learning and experience? Well, it kind of depends on what they're going to be using as their curriculum guide. If they are a teacher that's given full freedom to create a curriculum, then they can start fresh. They can take lessons that they love and know work and now make them work online and then they can create some lessons right you know right from scratch they can start new i would definitely recommend not trying to turn your whole classroom curriculum into your new online curriculum i think you want to pick and choose it's different it's not better it's not worse but it's very different and so i think you don't want to constrain you don't want to be stuck in the box that thinks you have to make sure everything happened that happened in the classroom and the other piece is you know the schools sometimes are going to be buying curriculum they might be buying part of it and the teacher needs to add the supplemental things or teach it, or they might have a classroom textbook that they now need to make work online. So there's a lot of ways it comes into it. But I, my, my most important suggestion is to try to look at it differently, 
not feel obligated to make every piece that used to always work in your classroom work. Don't try to make all of that work online. Be creative. It's going to be stressful. You're going to feel like you're in a whole different world. But in the end, I think it's really going to be the best that you can offer your students. Yeah, those are that's great advice. Um, and I think um, not only talking about that new world from the, the teacher's perspective, but also both parents and students. This is a new world of, of online learning for them. Um, mm-hmm. How do you help orient both parents and students um, when it's their first time taking an online class? So this spring, I think, was unique and still is in a lot of ways because nobody had time to prepare ahead and make great orientation plans. Um, ideally, you'd have those created ahead of time. You'd create um, some written things and some video or PowerPoint follow things that people can asynchronously log into and check or revisit when they want to with lots of the basic things. And then as a teacher, I always have on hand something I can copy paste or a file I can attach that says, this is how you send me an audio recording of yourself speaking Spanish. And I might use it hundreds of times in a semester. The student forgot, they might've lost it. It didn't make sense the first time or they didn't read it. There's lots of reasons, but I think the two main things is have a good written version and a good version that's visual, whether it's PowerPoint or a video. And as we get through this spring's struggle, which is very unique, hopefully schools and teachers will have time to create things that are um, more organized, more meaningful, and and they're ready to go. Great. So once your students get started, how do you continue to monitor their progress throughout their their course? And if you see something that's alarming, um, how do you provide additional support if they need it? Well, the best thing we can do is have support that's on the ground with the student. That's the best thing, indicator of there's going to be successful um, support for the student. It doesn't mean they're going to get the perfect grades, but if we have a parent or a mentor or a school counselor or somebody who's on board that's more local to the student, that's really, really helpful. Um, It's very important for me as the teacher to have people to contact. My main person is the student. That's the one I want to make the most contact with, have the communication with. But I need other people on board, too. I need emails or phone numbers for people who are interested in the success of the student. And so I want to reach out with clear things when there's struggles. I want to make sure enough of those people are aware. The way I, I monitor the progress is I look at their the work they turn in. And if they the work they're turning in is consistent with what the other work they've turned in, then it's feeling like the student. If it plummets or goes way up high, it makes me start to wonder and I start to check things out. Or if I don't get anything, if I don't get anything from a student, that's when we really need to take action. And that's an important piece for schools uh, to be a part of is what do they expect of their teachers? What role will the school play? How will they support that? And what if there are students that just aren't connecting back with a teacher or with a school? What what are you going to do then? How are we going to support those students? And I think that's really developing now is what that might look like. Yeah, part of that is so fundamentally tied to student engagement and motivation. And I I know that instructing from a distance is certainly a different experience for most teachers and for most students. And student engagement is, it it can be a challenge um, Mm -hmm. when you're teaching at a distance. What strategies do you use um, to, to help with student engagement and motivation? Well, one thing I like to start with is send a video of myself, 30 seconds, outside on the ranch, just being me. 
And I, you know, very professional, of course, but I want to be friendly, let them know who I am, let them realize that there's a real person here. If I'm lucky enough that those students are from my district, hopefully they already know me, but oftentimes that's not the case. And so I think a a real connection at the beginning is super. You can encourage students to do that or offer them the opportunity to return that favor and send you a little audio or video clip, which can be a great start. Um, The other thing I do is try to make all of my outreach positive. Even if I have something really sticky that I have to talk to the student about, I want to make sure that my words are not accusatory, they're positive, and I try not to overreach out. And you talked about that a little bit ago about a student hearing from their teacher like so many times that it's overwhelming. So if I tell them or ask them something, I try to give them sufficient time to be making progress on that before I revisit it. But I think it's um, frequent enough is hard to find the balance of, but that's what I recommend. Do frequent enough outreach and make sure it's positive. Excellent. I, I think communication is so uh, is so critical and vital to a student's success and a, and a teacher's as well. But it's very different when you're in a distance learning environment, right? We don't we don't have that that you you don't have that that visual cue from their face or the body language that they emote or that that we emote. So it's a very different form of instruction and communication from a traditional classroom. So when you think about strategies to engage students, to motivate students, and to humanize the communication, what what different channels or tools do you use? Uh, Maybe what strategies do you have uh, for doing that? Well, I think the video of myself reaching out to them is a great start. So they see and hear me. Asking them or giving them the opportunity for the same thing back is another great opportunity. And I think that making sure that we offer a video type connection during the classroom process, during the semester or the or the quarter long course is important. But we also need to really, really listen to different indicators. You mentioned we can see their face in a classroom. We can hear it in their voice. We need to see it and hear it in the writing or lack of writing. Uh, sometimes a student's doing really well and they don't really need my help. So their lack of writing is not a problem. Life is going grand, but I got to try to figure that out. And so that's tricky. Uh, I keep notes. I keep notes on students. Uh, if I see that I, I'm a little bit concerned about something, whether it's the, the skills that they have or don't have, or I feel there's something else happening, I keep notes on that. But then you have to be very thoughtful too of how, how you approach that, who you talk to about it. But I think it, you just change your listening skills. You're not listening with your ears as much as with your eyes. So, Cara, you've had the benefit of doing this for for many years, and many of our colleagues have only been doing this for a few weeks. So, from a, a district administrator's perspective, or somebody who runs a program, uh, what additional suggestions might you have as they navigate this new world and as they think about what's coming up in this year and the upcoming year? I think it's really important to for them also to communicate. I think they need to communicate with the students and the parents, but not just telling them what's going to happen. I think they need to do a lot of asking. And hopefully in education that happens some, but I think it needs to happen a lot right now. They need to find out what people need, what they are not getting that they need, what the approach of the teaching is that working. You know, we need to be really, we should be willing to change all the time, but we really need to be willing to listen to our students and our families right now and hear from them that, you know, a video class every day is not reasonable. That's not possible. Or they love it. Let's do it. 
So I think that's a really big key for school districts to be thinking about administrators. And the other piece is kids that are attending and doing everything they're supposed to, and it's all working out grand. They don't have to go looking for them. They're, they're finding them. They're coming to them. But how do we find the students that either are struggling with access or they're struggling with understanding things when it's coming to them online, struggling with the communication factor, you know, whatever it might be, what does that look like? It's very different than going to the classroom and finding them and taking them out and having a conversation. I think districts need to spend a lot of time on that, is figuring out what is their plan for support for students, families, and teachers and then be really willing to ask them what they need. Yeah, I think that that's really smart advice. And I, I, I love the phrase, listen with your ears. <laughs> that's just, uh, that's going to resonate and stick with me. Um, I, I want to just shift that question, a that same question a little bit and talk about it from the teacher's perspective. So many of our teachers are thrust into this new environment and and they're struggling. They're struggling with time management. They're struggling with just logistics and, and planning and making this transition. For, for our teachers who are feeling completely overwhelmed, what advice do you have? I think the first thing is to be a little patient with yourself. Be a little forgiving of what challenges you're going through. And to recognize that probably most people are feeling the same way. So that's that's a good thing to know that you're amongst many. But then after that, you have to take action. So what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about how you feel? And I think it's to be organized with what really matters. You know, really pare it down to what do you really, really want your students to know at the end and do a great job at that. And if you can't master 10 new forms, 10 new apps, maybe you do two. Maybe you get two of them and you do them really well so that you feel confident your kids are getting what they need. And then I think the other piece is be really brave in asking questions. Let your students tell you, just like I said with districts, but let your students tell you what's working, what's not. Then, of course, you have to sort through it and figure out when they're trying to get you to tell, not give them any work or if they're really giving you the helpful stuff. But I think it's a time to just really be vulnerable in a professional way and ask for help. Tell kids you don't know what's going on. What a great way to teach kids that lifelong learning is real, right, is to say, I have no idea how to do a video chat. If somebody could help me, that would be great. You know, what a really good time to be vulnerable with your students and show them that you are struggling as well and you're learning and that you get it. You get what it's like to be in a position that's tough. What a great strategy for also making a connection with their students. No wonder you're such a, a revered instructor in the online world. Kari, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I, I think that you've just provided some incredible insight and expertise. And I, I think your advice can be immediately applicable for, for districts, for program leaders, and for teachers who are going through this transition. Well, thanks, Jason. It's been good to be here today. And I hope that some of the things we talked about can give teachers and students some confidence, some confidence that they can do great things. It's just going to be different. It certainly is. I want to thank you again for your time today. And we look forward to listener feedback on today's show. Please reach out to us with questions or comments at info at opportunitythrives.com or write us a review on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks so much for listening in today, and we will see you next time.